The CFB Winning Edge podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. In addition to our weekly projections made available to all patrons early each week and our FBS team profiles available to our Tier 2 subscribers, Patreon supporters also help keep the show ad-free and help fund updates and future projects. For as little as $5 per month, you can help support this show and contribute to the continued improvement of CFB Winning Edge. Thank you to our Patreon supporters and visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge to learn more or to join. Welcome back, everybody. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. You can find him on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. And back in the booth with us this week, not sending in uh, recordings at all, Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter machine. Uh, Nick, it was uh, definitely a strange week. We got a lot of bye weeks coming up in this week too. So, uh, how do we look for week number five? Yeah, it, w- it was a uh, pretty exciting week. There were more upsets, and there's been a you know there have been quite a few high profile upsets already with ranked teams going down each week. I've seen some notes here and there about uh, that we're kind of setting records for top 25 teams from the AP poll going down this early in the season. But uh, this past week was actually the uh, largest amount of outright upsets that we've seen in a particular slate so far this season. There were 21 underdogs that won outright. Uh, more, you know, highly ranked teams went down, including number three, Oregon, number 10, Florida, uh, lost to Stanford and Kentucky, respectively. We also saw Texas A&M, uh, Fresno State, UCLA, all lost to unranked opponents. And then there were some, you know, big, big games. Uh, Alabama and Ole Miss was highly anticipated uh, matchup of, of two highly ranked teams, Georgia and Arkansas, a top 10 matchup. Those games somewhat unfortunately for you know casual observers didn't quite live up to uh the hype coming in as far as being uh you know close games or or maybe you know those top two teams who've been pretty dominant uh so far this year maybe being on upset alert but uh overall another you know really uh exciting week and and a lot of uh you know somewhat unexpected results that that certainly keep things interesting Xavier back in the booth. What uh what did you see from week number five that you liked or did not like? Oh man, the amount of upsets. I, I loved it. I'm I'm all here for chaos and, and pandemonium. Um, you know, I think a lot of quote unquote pretenders got found out this week. Um, you know, uh Nick hit around the head between Ole Miss and Arkansas, which we'll be talking about later. They're in the rubber match to see which team, you know, who's the third best team in the SEC, really, at this <laughs> point coming up to this week. You know, you, got you mean Florida it's not losing. Florida because they lost to Kentucky? Uh, they're done. Uh, you know, they, they they have one more loss on their schedule guaranteed. So, no, uh, it's not Florida. Uh, you know, um, we got to see Penn State and, uh, and Iowa both play big ga- uh, games in which trap games. Let's put it that way. 
and which you could have seen them both, you know, falter before this big this week's big game. Both of them came to play and, and then showed themselves to prove. And for the uh, what was it, the fourth straight week, Wisconsin's offense was just as abysmal as it has, has always been all season. So, you know, outside of those kind of narratives, I think it was just a really fun week of college football. Um, I'm glad to be back, guys. I'm glad yeah, to be back talking with you guys. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, been I too mean- long. Yeah, good to, have you uh, back. good to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Five weeks of no Xavier. That was, uh, you know, having to cut, cut you in and all that stuff. Uh, not not as much fun as having you live here with us. So uh, how did um, what did what was the record looking like uh, for week five, Nick? So you remember I was I was uh, highly concerned. <laughs> I did yeah. not. I did not <laughs> like our projections. I Stomach in a knot. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he even was, tweeted out about how much he didn't like it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And we, you know, we had a, a nice long talk, another therapy session, or uh, I think at least our second of the year, where I just, <laughs> you know, I just didn't have a good feeling. I, I felt like we were on the wrong side on a lot of games, and you know, the overall all what was it, sixty-one games were were okay. I mean, nothing, nothing spectacular by any stretch. We, we ended up with a slightly winning record of 31, 29 and one against the spread, but I was very concerned about those all three agree uh, matchups of which we had 25 or 24 of them. Uh, And those posted another disappointing result. I mean, nine, 14 and one is absolutely not what we want. Um, Those all three agree, uh, you know, I, I, I try to keep the word picks out of my uh, vocabulary. They're, they're sort of selections or, or what have you. Um, they're, they're designed to be, you know, because we, we might have as many as 60 plus games in a week and you can't, you know, uh, yeah, we look at those overall numbers and that's the most important thing, but I do kind of want to di- differentiate some in which we feel like we have, you know, kind of as, as the name suggests, maybe a winning edge. And uh, the all three agree was that in 2020 posted really, really strong results all season. And to, you know, find a way to differentiate where our official projection, you know, uh, you know, give us a separate set of criteria to where in our case, a team has a specific talent edge and then also has uh, you know, statistically based on their team performance on the field, uh, an edge to, to sort of show that, hey, these, these, this particular subset of games meets kind of a uh, different level of criteria that should make this an even better uh, projection. And that just hasn't been the case this year. We're 44.2% uh, on all three agrees, which has been pretty embarrassing. It's It's really dragged down. Um, I mean, it hadn't dragged, you know, everything else has been right around 50%, which is certainly not what we want. We want to be uh, 53, 54, 55 would, would be uh, a goal to get to. Uh, but those numbers last year, the all three agree, were, were certainly in that range. I mean, we were a, above 55% in those selections last year. Uh, fortunately, our, our uh, projections where we think the wrong team is favored had another Solid week, two and two, but when you're picking underdogs to win outright on the money line, you know, is, is actually a, a slight profit. Uh, and so far, those uh, projections this year have been really, really good. 63.6% straight up 
and then 66.7% against the spread on those. So uh, hopefully that will continue. Hopefully the uh, all three agree will start to you know, turn it around a bit. Our total projections were really bad last year. I also, or last week, I also mentioned I was concerned that we were on far too many overs. Uh, so now we're we're right at 50% for the season. We're 131, 135 in our official projections against the spread. We're 128, 129, and nine on totals. So that's exactly 50% on all picks. And, and you know, it's not good enough, but... Uh, quite honestly, and I, I kind of maybe alluded to this a little bit when I tweeted out the projections last night, confidence is, is on the rise. Now that non-conference uh, schedules are behind us and based on previous years, sort of the way that we do things where we keep up with injuries, I think our team performance numbers are quite good. I mean, we take into account dozens of different uh, stats from a variety of sources. Most of them are very sophisticated, filter out garbage time and use only FBS uh, opponents and, and things like that. Over the course of the season, at least in years past, uh, we have done better and better and better. And I feel like we're getting to that time. So while you know, last week, again, we kind of avoided disaster, it certainly wasn't great, could have been worse, I think. But I'm I'm starting to feel more confident now, and and looking at our projections for this week, probably on a few too many favorites, probably still on a few too many overs. But I think on the whole, uh, I'm I'm feeling better and better, and I know based on our history that you know we should expect better. Sort of the the way we do things this time of the year at least in the past few years. And of course, past results are not a guarantee of future performance, but uh, I think we're going to start hitting uh, our stride and, and start to put up uh, some solid projections. I'm excited to talk about you know this week's games. Xavier, how do you feel about this year overall as a whole? Because there have been upsets, um, lots of upsets this year specifically, but it also seems like we just know it's Bama and Georgia and everybody else is playing for third place, right? Yeah, and, and when you have a year like this, I think to the narrative that everybody has kind of said the last couple of years is we were waiting We were waiting for a year where we felt like everybody was going to be in a rebuild situation, right? You know, Trevor Lawrence gone. Justin Fields gone. Obviously, you've seen Ohio State and both Clemson struggle offensively due to those things. Uh, both teams, you know, in Clemson especially, off of a week where they they won now they're unranked you know they, they barely by the skin of their teeth beat boston college you know but it, it breeds for years like this where you have you know the times where cincinnati could possibly be the first g5 team to make it into the college football playoffs sitting currently at, you know in in the top five you know you have teams like penn state and iowa both teams that especially like a penn state who last year comes off of a really abysmal season is able to put some pieces together this year. And now all of a sudden, you know, is a, is a, a contender for the college football playoff. And we'll see more and we'll get to know more about them after this week, obviously. But years like this for me, I enjoy more than maybe cookie cutter years because those cookie cutter years are, are what we typically get. We typically get, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, right? This is a right. year where genuinely it, going into week five, you cannot tell me you know what four teams are going to make the playoff this year. You notice how I didn't say Oklahoma there. Nick. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving Nick any credit for the, that Oklahoma call <laughs> whatsoever. Well, uh, I a big still, week towards that one. 
So yeah, they, I, I they've still, won every game so far. They win every game on the schedule. They'll all the games the on the schedule. That's right. But a win is not always a win in college football, and we know that that is not always the case. They have looked really shaky in every week, except for against Western Carolina. So yeah, I, I, as of right now, this is one of those years for me that outside of one and two, like you said, Bama and Georgia, you can't tell me you know who three and four are going to be by the end of the year. You just can't. We don't. We don't know. Right. Yes, Iowa and Penn State sit there right now. But obviously they play this week, and both of those teams, especially if you're talking about an Iowa team that likes to win ugly, they're a team that absolutely could be upset prone later on this year. Who's to say Ohio State doesn't beat them in the Big Ten championship game? I mean, there's a lot of narratives that are going to be able to really develop over the next six weeks that I'm really excited to watch. Fingers crossed that Cincinnati just continues to roll on. I think the toughest part of this schedule is over, so hopefully they just don't get too big-headed and they don't start looking ahead uh, because I think this this is – and I said it's the beginning of the season. I thought this was the year that we're going to get a – a, P, uh, a G5 team, this was the year, and they were going to be it. So I'm excited to see what happens the rest of the year. Uh, give me more upsets. Vandy, go ahead and beat Florida. Just just, 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 just go crazy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah I, you mean, know? I get crazy, but I mean, I think Van- asking Vandy to beat Florida is insanity. You know, that that is, I don't know. I mean, you say uh, that, but okay. Right now, Rutgers, the Rutgers-Michigan State line is Michigan State by six. Rutgers just played little- Michigan hard, though. You know, so Michigan is overrated. Uh, Michigan's overrated every year, Xavier. It's not like you're breaking news here. We yeah, know, but, that. They, but they've been able to have a soft schedule and they're sending off smoke screens like ninjas in movies. But it Rutgers is, has Shiano now and they're playing much better. Like that's I understand you know what you're saying, but but let's let's relax a little bit. Like, look, ask Vandy to beat Florida against the spread. I think that is way more uh, something that could happen. I'm starting to have uh, second thoughts about bringing Xavier back live. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously five weeks off has done something to his brain here. He said Vandy over Florida. I mean, he's I mean, that was who you a... saw these upsets, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, we know we're just screwing with you. Uh, all right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about Nick. What line looks to you like it's just way too confusing. Like they know something that we obviously don't know. What is that line for this week? Well, it's similar to last week's. I mean, you and I had a kind of a, a longer discussion about that we didn't see why Tulsa would be favored over Houston. Um, that game ended up playing out. I mean, maybe even I mean worse than I expected. Oh, but, way worse. Uh, than you know, you expected. you and I on that one. Uh, you know, we we happened to be correct. Not sure if if uh, something. You know, not not sure if that's necessarily repeatable, but this week Tulsa is a favorite again uh, against Memphis, and Memphis was very very disappointing last week. Uh, lost a game to Temple, which you know was a game we were uh, had had conflicting feelings about because Memphis minus eleven and a half was in all three agree, so we ended up losing that one. But we also talked about that uh, a Temple outright win would be pretty perfect for some of the long or you know season long projections where we were Temple over three and, and Memphis under seven and a half. So uh, I think that Memphis is better than it showed last week. It just you know perhaps uh, had a, a bit of an off game and coming back down a little. Uh, and, you know, somewhat you lost a game that they weren't supposed to lose. Tulsa has not been good uh, this year. They lost to an FCS opponent. Um, they they were better than their slow start 
would indicate, but I, I still am, am struggling to understand why exactly they would be favored in this game. It certainly is a game they can win. Memphis is is uh, definitely beatable. I mean, any team that loses to Temple is beatable for for just about anybody <laughs> else, quite honestly. I mean, I, you know, Temple uh, played well last week, but they looked bad the first you know several games of the year, and and so uh, you know, I, I don't mean to to say that flippantly, but but they they really at the first couple of weeks looked like one of the worst teams in college football. Um, Memphis probably not as good as as they looked in that you know first few weeks, but still I, I think Memphis is the better team. Our projections expect Memphis to win this game outright. All three projection models expect Memphis to win this game outright. So I you know uh, this will be your next question: which one looks too good to be true? Maybe maybe this one. I always struggle to kind of differentiate these two, even though I like the questions a lot. <laughs> uh, but you know. Maybe maybe last week was too good to be true with Temple or uh, uh, Tulsa losing to Houston in, in the manner that they did, and that's kind of clouding this week a little bit. But right now, yeah, I mean, this one Tulsa favored by three is uh, is a little confusing. I I you know I just don't quite see it. How about you, Xavier? Is there a line that you look at and you say, "Well, that one's too good to be true"? Yeah. I'm looking at this era. I'm looking at, okay, I've got two lines. I'll be perfectly honest with you that I feel like are a little bit too good to be true. And that's Arizona state plus 12 over Stanford after a week in which they just beat Oregon. I think that Arizona state as good as they have been offensively has been shaky at times this year, defensively in particular against UCLA, they didn't stop anybody. They just kind of outscored UCLA and you're coming off of a Stanford team that not that has not one, but two ranked upsets on their record this year, going into USC and then beating Oregon at home last year, or excuse me, last week. And I think that that, you know, is a line that should probably be a little bit closer. Uh, I, I don't know if they are overselling Arizona State's performance last week um, against UCLA or they're understating Stanford's performance against Oregon. But either way, you got to look at that game and think, you know, minus eight, minus nine, not almost a two touchdown favorite for an Arizona for Arizona State. I'm 100 percent with you on that one. I mean, that yeah. one just confuses the hell out of me. I watch ASU uh, win some big games and lose uh, some games this year. So. I don't know what that's all about. So yeah, and the other one for me, and Nick and, and Scott, you guys can tell me if I'm going crazy, but Wake Forest only six and a half favorites over Syracuse, and you know this is a team that last week yeah that has remained ranked. I know they they barely won by the skin of their teeth over Louisville last week, but they're a team that still put up 37 points in that ball game, and, and Syracuse is bad. Just <laughs> call it what it is. They're just not a good football team, and. For, for me, and didn't uh, they just lose their best player, Nick? Didn't Taj Harris just uh, yeah in the transfer into the transfer portal? This, right. You know, after after four games, we're starting to see some uh, some impact players uh, going mm -hmm. into the the portal. And yeah, he was he was definitely one. Missed a couple of games already, um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, both of those are are very interesting, and and our projections. Like I said, I, I feel a, a, a slightly nervous that we're on too many favorites but i'm hopeful maybe that uh after last week there were so many upsets maybe this week we see a little bit of a correction so i'm not overly concerned about being on on too many favorites i, I think maybe um 
yeah, maybe maybe it kind of evens out a little bit, or at least I'm hopeful for that. We're on Arizona State to to cover 12, have them uh, favored by about two touchdowns. We've talked before that Stanford is just really a difficult team to get a handle on. So I, I actually do That's expect fair. Stanford to cover because I just think the way that these two teams play, uh, I, I expect it to be a fairly low-scoring game. Um, I expect it to be just sort of difficult for somebody to go up by two scores, if, if that makes sense. So I don't necessarily agree with the projections on that one. Syracuse and Wake Forest, uh, you know, these are these are good good games to bring up because they're they're a little difficult to understand. We do have Wake Forest uh, expected to win and cover. Uh, our numbers are still fairly low on. Syracuse, but even though Syracuse is, is certainly not great, I do think they've shown improvement. Uh, they can run the ball really well with Sean Tucker. Garrett Schrader's given them a little bit of a spark uh, as he's taken over the quarterback position, even though they're not, you know, a, a explosive offense by any stretch. But I think I think they might have the best defense that Wake Forest has played. Uh, so far, or, or, you know, at least Syracuse has a, a defense that might give Wake Forest a little bit of, uh, you know, just, just a little bit of trouble, uh, potentially. So I could, I could see a scenario where Syracuse makes it tough, uh, at the, the dome there can be a, a tough environment to play in, but yeah, our, our numbers do have, have Wake Forest to cover do think they're the better team do think they should be able to to win uh by more than a a a touchdown but you know i i could i could see a scenario where where syracuse makes things really interesting so i feel like that game belongs in this next category which is too good to be true that's kind of how i feel about that wake forest one where i look you know against syracuse six that's it you know, so uh, that's kind of where I stand. But Nick, what's the game that you picked out for too good to be too good to be true on the line? Yeah, and, and you know, I could have I could have flipped this one with the Tulsa one as well. You, you know, what? I think here let's make this distinction moving forward. <laughs> uh, just, just just so yeah, yeah, it no. isn't confusing. Game one is a game that you look at and you say they know something I don't, so I don't want to bet it. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. The other one, too good to be true, is well, they definitely don't know anything else that that i don't know so i'm gonna take this bet so Mm -hmm. let's do that Mm -hmm. like the first one is like where you pause at it because the line looks uh a little too enticing like they gotta know something the other one is well they just messed this line up let's do let's do it like that see but i feel like that explanation for too good to be true uh that that's not exactly how i read it like i read it as as this line uh, is so so different from our projection. So I kind of see. I, I think in my mind, I kind of, and maybe that's maybe okay. maybe I can change the wording a little bit moving forward. But but yeah, I I, I understand. I we will we will work on the, okay. the distinction a little bit. Uh, I gotcha. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I too good to be true for me. <laughs> Uh, is UTSA as a three-point underdog against Western Kentucky. And, and maybe, yeah, maybe this would have been a better fit in the confusing one because uh, somebody might know something we don't know. I mean, Western Kentucky 
is a solid team, an improved team. Uh, they are better than their one and three record would indicate. They have played a pretty tough schedule so far. Uh, UTSA is a very solid team. We talked about that we were pretty high on them coming into the season. We uh, put, you know, expected a, an outright upset against Illinois in week two that that played out well. Um, and UTSA is taking care of business, but against a relatively weak schedule, including a comeback, you know, come from behind win over Memphis that maybe after last week doesn't look as good as it did at the time. Uh, but our numbers expect UTSA to win this outright. We actually have UTSA favored uh, by four and a half points, basically. So that's that's a pretty big edge on paper. So perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm thinking our projection is is too good to be true. There's something we're not uh, able to quantify here that is is perhaps leading us a little astray. I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about this one, but it's a similar projection to the, uh, you know, to the to the Memphis over Tulsa, where we have UTSA not only uh, expected to cover in all three models, but favored in all three. Um, the talent edge is almost double digits. I mean, nine nine points in, in talent edge, and then our our stats only model has UTSA. It has it as as you know a virtual toss up, uh, but UTSA with about uh, a little less than half a point of uh, uh, edge there. And, and neither of the remember the talent edge and the prism model are are not uh, don't factor in home field advantage. But even if we did bring two and a half points to Western Kentucky on both of those, we would still have UTSA to cover. So uh, perhaps it's too good to be true for us that we're getting a, a team uh, that we have favored as a three-point underdog. But, uh, you know, maybe, again, somebody is, uh, uh, somebody's is somebody got something in mind that, that we don't. And, and you know, it, it makes me a little bit nervous. But similarly, I, I think this is a, you know, a, a situation where our numbers love love one side of it. And uh, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Javier, what do you think of that game? And do you have one that, that you see as too good to be true? I agree with Nick. Uh, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't touch it. That's just how I feel about it. Um, to answer your question, I once again, I guess, you know, I'm getting them all out because this is my first time back in a while. I got two <laughs> and I'm going to need, I'm going to need Vegas to stop lowballing these two teams, Alabama versus A&M. Alabama's going to be able to win by more than 17 points. Let's just call it what it is. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Like, if you if you bet on this already, my apologies. But the line started off at 14 and a half. Now it's at 17 and a half. I think that tells you how they feel about AM going into this week. I think Alabama more than covers. I mean, this is a team that just obliterated Ole Miss for three and a half quarters and allowed Ole Miss a couple of, you know, garbage time touchdowns. And on the flip side, Georgia versus Auburn. 15 and a half is not enough. How many – I mean – when we talk about offenses and you're talking about AM and Auburn, you're talking about some of the most uh, the most abysmal offenses in the SEC so far this year. Both offenses have struggled to make anything happen. Now you're having them play two teams who defensively are finding their stride. Don't get too deep into that one because we're about to talk about that one. So oh well, Georgia Auburn, yeah. But yes, I would say Vegas, I understand that you don't want to, you know, have some astronomical number that people won't bet on, but you say that. Then you give Florida a 38 and a half against Vandy. So 
figure it out because I think I think Georgia and Alabama both cover their spreads with ease uh, this week. To be perfect. I th- I think you're never gonna get those giant numbers in rivalry games with teams that have a roster that is Fair. pretty good that has not performed because you know at any point they're almost like a snake waiting to strike right like they're probably not gonna win but they're gonna make it close like Kentucky and Florida right I was kind of like why is this line only seven. Florida, just was, bare, look, Kentucky always plays them hard, but there yes. have been some games in Kentucky where Florida wins by 30, right? Like it, you know, less recently, but it does happen. So I think in those type of rivalry games, you're always going to get it, even fair. though in your head, you're like, well, I mean, isn't Alabama going to beat AM by 50 this week? Like Alabama, A and M's offense has nothing, you know. Right. And that's when they lull you into sleep like that. So that's a uh, easy college football betting rope a dope is what I would call it. So uh, they lull you right in there, but let's move towards the games of the week. And we are going to start out here with, uh, with Xavier because he's back first and go to his games. First, first game up Arkansas at Ole Miss, Nick, the line is Ole Miss by six. The over under is 66 and a half. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I'm glad this one is on uh, the schedule to talk about because, you know, these were uh, two teams that impressed in the first month of the season. Arkansas and Ole Miss climbed, you know, high in the polls, high in our uh, projections. We had Ole Miss uh, number seven in our power ratings last week going into the game uh, against Alabama. It obviously did not work out very well for them and they've they've slipped a bit uh but they're still a top 15 team they are actually uh favored in every remaining game on their schedule according to our projections which is a a little bit of a surprise especially you know coming into the year when you look at some of the teams that they still have yet to play including lsu auburn uh texas a&m we now have Ole Miss favored in, in all of those games. So, you know, this looks like a team certainly capable of, of winning 10 games uh, against Alabama. Things got away from them fairly early. They were, uh, you know, had they converted some of those fourth down attempts early on, you know, maybe things would have been different. And I know that uh, there are some people who complained that, you know, maybe Lane Kiffin shouldn't have gone for it on fourth down and in some of those situations gave it, you know, given Alabama uh, a short field a couple of times when they didn't convert. Do you but mean maybe I, like John Lobb? My, my oh, name. is he? Was did did he you hear that? the negative zone? I haven't this yet. Week? I haven't yet. Ooh, uh, wow. <laughs> was that, that was his? It was See, an all timer, so all timer so from Johnny. I disagree a little bit. I, I think that, I think they were good calls. I think that, you know, you just have to, convert and had they you know had they done it and and we're talking you know fourth and one fourth and two whatever it was uh i know the first drive was a was a fourth and one um but you can't settle for field goals and expect to beat alabama um you can't punt the ball away you know and and expect to beat alabama i i think that it just unfortunately they weren't able to uh convert in those situations you know, I, I, it's not unlucky, but it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I think they were, I think they were the right 
calls more often than not. They just didn't get the job done. So I, I like that Ole Miss was aggressive. I like that Ole Miss was playing to win, not playing to lose, you know, closer. Uh, and I think that's a good sign moving forward, quite honestly. Uh, I don't expect, you know, that to deter Lane Kiffin moving forward. But, uh, you know, this is this is an Ole Miss offense that is one of the very best in the country. They rank fourth in team performance overall. Uh, they are in the top 12 in both passing and rushing. Um, last week, the numbers took a little bit of a, a hit because Alabama is so good defensively and, and did come up with some big stops early on. They also uh, suffered a pretty significant injury in the receiving core with Jonathan Mingo going down, wasn't able to play last week because of a foot injury. And, and it's uh, uh, unclear when he'll be able to come back. But I think that Ole Miss is absolutely, you know, capable of uh, playing like a, a top five or, or top 10 offense moving forward. The defense has improved, even though they gave up 40 uh, last week to Alabama. They're still ranked, you know, 64th in team performance overall, which is certainly not great, but it's a big, big improvement from a triple-digit finish last year. So uh, I think that they, um, you know, last week obviously didn't didn't go well, but I I do believe that they are a a solid team, a good team. And a team capable now of of winning, you know, nine or ten games. Arkansas, uh, you know, things went even worse for them. They couldn't get anything going against Georgia. We know that Georgia defense is elite, uh, but Arkansas, you know, a little bit banged up at the quarterback position. KJ Jefferson still doesn't look a hundred percent. I'm not sure if Traylon Burks is a hundred percent. One of the best receivers in college football, but uh, wasn't able to get it going last week. And and you know, they struggled there. 58th and overall, uh, uh, excuse me, an offensive team performance, but they have played pretty solid defense. They're 13th overall uh, in team performance on the defensive side of the ball, top 26. They're 26 rushing uh, and 16th passing, so solid on, on both sides and have played like a legitimate top 25 team. They actually rank 25th in overall team performance. So, uh, you know, these teams are both looking to – get back some momentum that they lost last week and some high profile blowout losses. Um, so I think that both teams will play, um, you know, in a inspired football, whatever, you know, whatever you, you have to say there, they're, they're going to be looking to get back to get right here and, and recapture some of uh, what they lost a little bit last week. Our numbers like Ole Miss, um, they, have a more talented roster, and that's part of it. Uh, they they rank ninth in roster strength overall, including fifth on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Arkansas, you know, it's kind of strength versus strength. They're more talented, and their better side is defense. They rank 21st in roster strength on defense, um, but only 55th on offense. And, and we talked a little last week that I think that uh, Arkansas is better offensively than their talent profile would suggest but i still i still think that there's a, a you know a gap there i think that Ole Miss's defense has a you know relatively significant talent edge over the arkansas offense uh so i i think Ole Miss will be able to you know not not shut down arkansas by any stretch we're not going to see another shutout we're probably not going to see 
you know, this this game could be relatively high scoring, but I think Ole Miss's defense is good enough that its offense, which is elite, is going to be able to to outscore Arkansas, uh, if that makes sense. So our projection is is pretty similar to the odds makers. We have Ole Miss favored by seven instead of six, so we do have them to win and cover. Uh, we have Ole Miss with a talent edge of four and a half, uh, and a uh, stats only model uh, has has Ole Miss an edge of six and a half. If we were to add some home field advantage to that, both of those would uh, cover, but it, it would be by you know pretty pretty close margin. So I I don't have a you know a wildly different expectation than what the odds makers do. Uh, but our projection does have Ole Miss winning by a touchdown. Our, our final score prediction is 35-28. Javier, what do you think about this game? This should be a close, fun one. Close? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I do feel like this game is a tale of two different teams. I, I think we got, to Nick's credit, I, I think Ole Miss kind of shot itself in the foot last week uh, very early on. You know, Lane Kiffin – acted like the little brother who goes off to college, hits the weight room a little bit and thinks he can beat his big brother up when he comes back home for Thanksgiving. And it just doesn't go that well. You know, it started from the beginning with the interview, you know, where he throws the, the headset away and he's like, get your popcorn ready. I was like, okay, dude, you're way too jacked up. And you're going to make some decisions today that are going to be head scratching. Go through our fourth down, first two drives. Saw that coming. Um, and if it worked, he's a genius. Obviously it, it didn't. And you saw the, you know, what ended up happening. He got, you know, the base, the brakes be off of him. But I think that that was less of a of a of what we really were going to see from Ole Miss this year. I thought that they were a nine ten win team coming into the year, and that offense is still as advertised. Yes, it struggled a little bit last week, but they were still able to move the football. You know, to be in positions to go for it on fourth down, you had to move it in no, into no man's land at the very least, and they were able to do that pretty successfully. And I think this Arkansas team is going to be reeling a bit after last week's loss. You know, they they kind of, you know, they, they got punched in the mouth at what they do best. You know, they were out physicaling everybody. You know, they, they you know, and last week they met their match. And I think we're going to see a difference of what happened, of how these two teams recover. You know, Lane Kiffin is in, you know, is a year three, I believe, at Ole Miss at this point. You know, he's got the, the locker room a little bit more together. The kids believe in him a little bit more, uh, year two, excuse me. Uh, and I, And I think that, he's going to be able to bounce back from this quicker than maybe a Sam Pittman does who the kids, you know, they're, they're going to be reeling a bit. They're, they're going to have to watch that film and it's not going to look good on any side of the ball. Special teams gave up a block punt. I mean, no side of the football looked good last week for Arkansas. And I think that when you, when that happens, you're going to see one of two things happen. Either they're going to bounce back strong or they're just going to continue to falter. And I think this is a week that, Oh, you see from Ole Miss that they're, they can lean back on something. They can lean on that offense against an Arkansas defense. I don't think it's all that, is is really good up front, but that secondary has some has some work to be done. I think Ole Miss is going to show that this week. Uh, I think Ole Miss wins by two touchdowns. Personally, uh, I, I think Ole Miss is able to really get that passing game going again. And, and I think Arkansas, what they really do well, they're not going to be able to do to what Nick said. KJ Jefferson isn't hundred percent, so his ability to run will be hindered a bit this week. Uh, you know, and as we saw against Louisville, Ole Miss isn't really that great against running quarterbacks. You know, Malik Cunningham, even though they, they lost, Malik Cunningham was able to get what he kind of wanted in the run game uh, using his legs in that game. I think that that would have been a huge plus for K.J. Jefferson coming into this week. 
I think you're going to have to see maybe Arkansas open up the playbook a bit, you know, and throw the ball. And that's not the kind of team that they are right now. They're not a drop back and throw the ball, you know, 30 times a game. They, they, they want to run the football. They want to keep KJ Jefferson's attempts, you know, to around 25 or, or, or lower. And I think Ole Miss is going to make this a shootout and it's going to make this, you know, a, a, a race. And I don't think Arkansas has the horses to keep up with them for four quarters. Like I said, I think Ole Miss wins by minimum two touchdowns um, in this game because I think I genuinely think Ole Miss's offense, when I look at both teams, Ole Miss's offense is elite and can be, whereas Arkansas, I feel like, is just good at every level. Right? I feel like Ole Miss's offense is elite and is going to show how elite it is against this Arkansas defense this week. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could play out much closer. I was just more saying in the rankings, these teams are close uh, because I don't see it playing as a close game either. But uh, we move on to the next game here, Nick, and uh, Georgia is at Auburn. Georgia is a 15-point favorite on the road. 46-and-a-half is the over. How do you see that one going? So our, our numbers still love Georgia. Uh, they've been the best defense in the country in overall team performance. Uh, they are elite passing defense. I mean, they're almost perfect in the, all the, uh, the different categories that we, uh, track. So it's, it's, you know, the expectation, uh, is that Georgia is, you know, going to continue to shut opponents down offensively. The, you know, major issue, even though Arkansas was a top 10 team last week, perhaps that was a little bit inflated. I mean, we had them, you know, in, in the twenties in our, uh, power ratings and they're 26th right now, but that probably, you know, especially now that, that Clemson's offense, uh, looks as poor, uh, as they do, you know, there, there haven't really been a whole lot of tests for the Georgia defense and, and they are, you know, absolutely incredibly, incredibly talented number two in roster strength, uh, defensively, um, they've had a track record of success on the defensive side of the ball. So I wouldn't expect, you know, that, that this team is, uh, not a, an elite defense, but it's, it's possible that maybe they are not, you know, as potentially historic of a, a defenses, uh, as they played like early on, just because, you know, uh, like I mentioned, Clemson UAB, not necessarily considered a, uh, top offense, explosive offense, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, arguably the two uh, least talented offenses in the SEC and Arkansas, you know, solid, but not spectacular. So there's there's uh, an argument to be made that maybe Georgia's defense hasn't been quite, you know, tested like it could potentially be uh, by Auburn. But, you know, Auburn is is not perfect by any stretch either. Bo Nix had a very, very you know, exciting uh, performance last week, really responded after a uh, really disappointing showing against Georgia State. He ended up getting benched, uh, but came back and, and you know, in some ways willed that Auburn offense uh, to victory over LSU in a tough environment on the road. But, you know, they, they do statistically only rank 42nd in offensive team performance, their rushing offense is top 25. A lot of that might have to do with 
uh, a similarly or maybe even weaker early season schedule outside of the game against Penn State, of course, but when they beat up on Akron and uh, Alabama State and, you know, had some rushing success against uh, Georgia State as well. But, you know, will will this offense be able to win the line of scrimmage against that Georgia defense? Uh, I'm not so sure. I mean, they do have some talent in the backfield uh, with Tank Bigsby, who is seeing his uh, number of touches and even snaps go down a little bit week after week. That that uh, is intriguing to me. Jacquez Hunter has been, uh, you know, far better than I expected. Not a not a super uh, rated recruit by any stretch, but he's got you know some physical tools that really are impressive and he's played incredibly well sean shivers is finally healthy he's gotten into the mix the last couple of weeks and and so you know they should have fresh running backs will the offensive line be able to you know open holes for those guys give bo nix uh time to throw uh you know i'm, I'm not so sure offensive line wise they rank 24th in our performance numbers uh they're a top 20 unit nationally but only middle of the pack in the SEC compared to a Georgia defensive line, which is number two in, in uh, offensive line, or excuse me, defensive line performance, number three from a roster uh, and talent standpoint. So, uh, you know, there's there's not a huge gap there, but a little bit of a gap. And I expect Georgia to be able to, you know, keep that Auburn offense in check, you know, for the most part. Um, the, the other question is how, you know, what is Georgia going to be able to do offensively jt daniels it sounds like is uh you know still not fully practicing hasn't you know didn't throw on uh tuesday in the period of practice that uh the media was able to view the receiver uh room is still short-handed guys like uh marcus rosemey jack saint dominic blaylock aaron smith still still limited there um so it's you know offensively georgia is not uh, quite operating at, at all cylinders, even though they've been a top 10 uh, offense, again, in our team performance ratings, eighth overall, eighth in passing offense, you kind of wonder, well, how, you know, that Clemson defense is still good, even though Clemson's been, been you know, scuffling along a little bit, still good. Arkansas uh, has some, you know, defensive talent, has played good defense before, but, you know, uh, South Carolina, Vanderbilt again, uh, is, is that possibly skewing the the numbers a little bit, especially if Daniels is not able to play again this week, which, you know, Stetson Bennett had the huge game against UAB, didn't quite uh, follow that up, hasn't quite followed that up at, at nearly the same level uh, in a couple of outings since. So I, I am, am uh, a little bit, you know, my, my, my thinking away from the numbers is that, this is a rivalry game. Auburn's going to have a uh, you know loud home crowd. This is this could be a close game. Uh, the way our numbers look at it, currently we don't have JT Daniels uh, playing. Currently we have Bo Nix as the outright starter, and he's a few points uh, higher than TJ Finley, who it looked like had a, a chance to play. Uh, last week, maybe a chance to, to wrestle that job away from him. So that's that's somewhat significant because Bo Nix is a 92-rated player. JT Daniels is a 98-rated player, according to, to our individual player rating 
uh, calculations. So, you know, we kind of weakened Georgia almost as much as we could. We kind of strengthened Auburn as much as we could. And we still have Georgia to win and cover. We have Georgia favored by 17 in our official uh, projection. Part of that is just that defense has been so, so good that they're able to, to you know, uh, kind of build upon those projected point spreads. The other two models see it much closer, uh, see it about a, a touchdown closer. Georgia does have a 10-point, almost 11-point talent edge, does have uh, an 11-point edge in the projected scoring margin, the, stat, the stats-only model. Uh, both of those, though, would cover. And, and honestly, that's – that's kind of how I see the game going. I think Georgia should win by a touchdown to maybe, uh, you know, 10 points, something like that. Two touchdowns seems seems like a lot. So far, you know, Georgia's been so dominant that, that you know, absolutely they could. Maybe this is just maybe this is just a special year where they're just better, you know, just that much better than everybody on the regular season schedule. That's sort of how our official projection sees it, with Georgia winning uh, 34-17, a little higher scoring game than most probably expect. But I I honestly uh, could see maybe a 24-17, 24-14. Uh, that would surprise me, especially if, you know, Daniels is uh, still on the sidelines, especially if the receiving group is, is not operating at its maximum uh, talent level. Um, I, I think this is definitely going to be Georgia's toughest test to date, even though Arkansas is a very, very good team, sort of, you know, having to go on the road, Auburn a little more um, uh, experience with with success at kind of a top 25 level. Uh, I, I think that they could make things interesting for the first three quarters, and then maybe Georgia puts it away, wins by 10, uh, 17, absolutely possible. But, um, you know, I, 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 I think Auburn's going to be able to keep it close uh, at least through the first three quarters. Xavier, what do you think about this game? Because I, I don't really see it playing close. Do you see it playing close? No, absolutely not. And then I'm, I'm going to actually use Nick's one of Nick's points against him. So he, he talked about it being a raucous crowd at Jordan Hare. Well, it's a great crowd when you're playing well. This is the first time Bo Nix will be playing at home since he got benched. Yes, he played well at LSU. Yes, they won the game. Yes, he pulled his best Russell Wilson impression on multiple drives in that game. I had it as a Johnny Manziel impression since it was. Don't give him that much credit. Anyways, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, but at the same time, let's say Bonix comes out first three drives. Nothing gets on the board. Maybe first four drives, he throws a pick. The blue boards are coming again. Like, I want you to understand. Like, I was there for the Georgia State game, obviously. And, and I want you to understand how that fan base feels about Bonix. He, he's one bad game again, away again for them to want him out. His leash is about – it went from like this long to this long. Like it didn't go much farther after that LSU game. They still do not believe in him as a quarterback at that university. Um, and they and to give you an idea, after the Georgia State game, they chanted TJ's name as he walked off the field. I mean chanted TJ. And it was still 60% to 70% capacity while they were chanting his name as they walked off the field. They don't necessarily believe in Bo Nix at this moment. So if he starts off slow, yes, that raucous crowd that might be against Georgia as it kicks off is now all of a sudden against you. And how you play under that is going to be a completely different atmosphere. As far as Georgia's defense is concerned, they're legit. They're better than they were last year. And this was a team last year that held Auburn to six points. 
you know, and, and I think that that doesn't change. Auburn's offensive line is abysmal up front. Uh, they haven't been able to run the ball against really anybody since Akron. Uh, they weren't even really able to run the ball against Georgia State. And I think that that's a, a, a very worrisome thing as bad as Georgia State's defense has been this year. Um, you're absolutely right, though. Tank Bigsby has, you know, surprisingly not touched the football as much. But, hey, if you want to transfer, come to Georgia. We give the ball to everybody. Um, you know, I, I just don't see where this offense is able to put things together. Unless, once again, Bo Nix puts his best Russell Wilson impression back on and is able to, you know, scramble out the pocket 13 yards backwards and then throw it for 30 yards forwards. I just don't see He's going to be under siege for most of that game. And I genuinely believe that this Georgia defense is faster than it was last year. It's bigger than it was last year. And I even believe that the secondary is better than it was last year. Uh, and so when we talk about tests, I don't know if this Georgia defense will be tested this week um, because Auburn wants to run the football. Like, let's not have it out. Auburn wants to out-physical you. And if they can't do it, then they're short in on the, at the receiving core themselves. And I don't think they're going to be able to. Um, and it's going to leave the Bo Nix once again having to run for his life. And I don't see how they're able to put it together. Stetson Bennett played this Auburn team last year, so it's not like he'll be – it's a foreign opponent for him. Um, and it's probably going to be similarly – the offense is probably going to run similar, which is give the ball off to Zamir White. Um, the one thing I am looking for Georgia in this game, as I will be every week, is I'm waiting for that running game to really, you know, explode. There, there's been very few explosive plays from that run, uh, from that run game this year. And they need to get to that run game to be explosive if Stetson Bennett's going to be the guy going forward. Uh, and JT Daniels, you know, is out for a prolonged period of time uh, because we all know Stetson has one of those, is going to have one of those games where he is non-existent, you know. And so if he, if, you know, but I don't see this game being close. I think Georgia wins by three touchdowns plus. And I think, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a fun afternoon for Georgia fans. All right. Moving on to the next game here. Uh, this is next game, Michigan at Nebraska. I'm super glad you picked this one. Because Same. Nebraska has actually played pretty well since starting out the season as ugly as possible. Like we were talking about Scott Frost potentially getting fired. That was uh, probably the big thing that I miss Xavier the most for was talking about which coaches are going to get canned early in the season. And Scott Frost definitely on the hot seat. But they put together a couple pretty good game plans and been competitive the last couple weeks. Michigan. um, Look, we know Michigan's always uh, a little bit overrated, but they've looked real strong this year. So this seems trappy, uh, specifically because the line is Michigan by three and a half and the over is only 50. So, Nick, what do you think about this one? This is a very intriguing game for a variety of reasons. I, I picked it in part because... Uh, partly partly because you know both you guys have, have uh, expressed some uh concerns in the past about Harbaugh and Frost but both of them seem to be you know getting their teams to play uh better than expected at least you know coming into this game specifically also it's uh, although there are some very very interesting games it's a much smaller uh schedule this week because you mentioned all the bye weeks um that, that teams have the most teams i believe are off this week than, than any other the rest of the season and so this is you know the primetime matchup going to be at all, a lot of eyeballs on it so it, it makes sense also it's it's pretty interesting to see what the early line movement is this game uh i believe michigan was uh what four and a half points uh when this opened something like that uh, it is on the road, so, you know, maybe a little, yeah, it was four and a half when it opened uh, on the road in a, in a, you know, can be a tough environment in Lincoln. 
and especially you would expect with a, a, a major you know primetime matchup this is the the big uh abc game right so it's you know the the kind of the their uh most high profile spot of, of the week and the the way the the uh numbers are coming in the way the the bets are coming in or, or the way the uh odds makers are are uh, responding it seems like and you can tell me the the breakdown but that probably i would expect public money and and uh probably some sharp money coming in on nebraska because now it's down to three and a half uh early this year when we saw you know that loss to illinois real quick on that uh Mm -hmm. nick uh, i'm looking and i've got uh an overwhelming amount of money on michigan Uh, that's interesting but but this so what I'm looking at says that it actually opened at Michigan minus one and a one and a half and it's opened up is mm. what it's showing me. So so is that okay? That so I wonder if this game was if that number that one and a half might be from the, the summer? previous week, right? Uh, so that's that's interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what the that that confuses me a little uh but anyway <laughs> anyway um so uh wouldn't would nebraska coming out of the gate very slow uh we mentioned you know how i downgraded adrian martinez finally in our player ratings um he's still solid capable of, of putting together a big game he picked up a couple of production points uh, since then, and is still an 89 rated player, according to our individual player rating uh, calculations. But, you know, he would be a 100 rated player if I hadn't downgraded him after week one. He's capable of being that. He's capable of, of somebody who can, you know, break off an 80 yard touchdown run. We've seen that. He's capable of throwing, you know, for 300 plus yards, three touchdowns, what have you. He's got some talent to work with and uh, some more Toure. Uh, at wide receiver, Omar Manning's had some, uh, you know, big moments this year. Uh, Xavier Betts is looking good at times, had a big um, uh, touchdown run last week. And the running back situation is not, you know, great, uh, but they've gotten, you know, some some big games here and there from uh, multiple guys. I mean, Ramir Johnson, uh has a production point this year. Jacquez Yant had two last week and sort of a, a surprise, a big back for them, got a lot of carries. And Marquis Stepp has sort of uh, taken less of a uh, prominent role in recent weeks, but you know, early in the season had uh, at least one solid game. So um, defensively, Nebraska is, uh, you know, pretty solid. They've done a good job against the pass. They're ranked 15th in defensive passing team performance, 23rd overall in defensive team performance. And that, uh, you know, offense, uh, the way they absolutely, you know, ran it up against Northwestern last week, um, some, you know, decent uh, performances in non-conference play against uh, Fordham, you know, doesn't really count as much in, in our projections because we only do FBS opponents in, in team performance, but you know they've still had some solid numbers where they actually rank 20th in offensive team performance overall, and they played like a top 20 team. They rank 18th in overall team performance, so they're maybe even a little better than that three and three record would indicate. 
Um, you know, they've they've looked good last week against Northwestern. Looked great. Uh, they gave Oklahoma a real test, and you know, Michigan State was was fairly uh, lucky to to get out of there with an overtime uh, victory. So you know, they've they've been. Uh, even though the wins and losses aren't quite what you would expect or hope for, they've been a solid team. The difference is Michigan has really played like an elite team. Michigan actually ranks third in our overall team performance ratings. Now, Nebraska has had a much tougher uh, selection of of opponents. Uh, Washington is not, you know, not good. Uh, we expected them to to contend for the Pac-12 title. It certainly doesn't look like that. Uh, Michigan, you know, their toughest game or their closest game so far was against Rutgers, who last week got absolutely embarrassed by Ohio State. Uh, Wisconsin does not look, you know, does not look like a Big Ten West contender, certainly. Uh, and, and they were able to blow them out last week. So you wonder, okay, is the strength of schedule uh, for Michigan – you know, that much worse than Nebraska to where some of these uh, results are a little bit misleading is a, you know, top five team performance. Can we really trust that? Can we trust Michigan at all? Because, I mean, you you said it a couple of times already. They always seem a little overrated. Um, on the one hand, yeah. But on the other hand, eventually some teams are able to, to turn the corner. Maybe this revamped coaching staff at Michigan is is done it. I mean, they – they are playing like a much, much better team this year for a team that, again, we talked about the preseason, the roster strength numbers are moving in the wrong direction. So I, I have to think that Michigan is going to be tested. Uh, this looks like a very, you know, a, a spot where they could certainly trip up. I mean, going on the road against a team that is playing better than its record would indicate uh right before the bye week you know it's 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 a spot where michigan absolutely needs to be on alert uh for for being upset but then i you know i i look at the numbers and then i've been impressed you know just watching games live as well michigan has played really really well this year i mean top 10 on offense and team performance top 10 on defense and team performance you know, they might give up a big play here and there to Adrian Martinez just because he's capable of doing that. But I I kind of I kind of think this Michigan team might be for real. And I know you guys are, are gonna laugh at that, you know, making making faces. I can yeah, I, I see it. I understand. Uh but man, I mean they've been so much, you know, they've been so improved. Uh I think that this will be a difficult test and our projection is not, you know, Michigan to win this game by uh, a comfortable margin, but we do have Michigan winning. We do have them covering our projection. Uh, you know, we have them favored by five, five and a half in our official uh, model. The talent edge is a little less than five. The projected uh, scoring margin is seven and a half. So it, it, you know, if we took home field advantage into account, uh, certainly would not be an all three agree situation, but you know, right now because we we don't factor in home field advantage, it is uh, in those two models, 
And, you know, we think that that Michigan can get this win on the road, or at least the numbers do. A little bit higher scoring, of course, because it is a, a total, uh, you know, at, at 50. It's Our numbers don't often come in below 50. So we do have Michigan winning 29-24, uh, a 21-17 wouldn't surprise me, a, you know, 24-21 wouldn't surprise me. That'd be a bad result for us, of course. But I think I think Michigan gets it done and gets a close win. Uh, it's absolutely, you know, understandable that they could lose this game outright. It is a very tricky opponent. Michigan, you know, is playing much, much better than expected. So you do expect at some point they will, uh, you know, come down a little bit. I just, I, I, I kind of believe it's, it's, you know, going to be uh, somewhere, lo- you know, farther down the road than it is this week. I think they find a way to win, maybe 21-20, something like that, 28-27. Maybe they, you know, just get out by a point. But I think Michigan is the better team, and I think they will win. Our projections expect them to cover. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't have total confidence in that but I think this is a game that Michigan should win. Xavier, let's hear it. Let's hear a Michigan-Nebraska take. I'm excited for it. Uh, I mean, what a game. Don't like either coach. I believe both of them should be fired personally. Um, I think Michigan wins this game. I'm going to go with Nick here. I, I don't believe in, in Nebraska um, in the slightest, and I, I have every reason to do so. Yes, absolutely. They played you know, well beyond what I thought they could against Oklahoma earlier on in the year. You know, they were in that game. They had several chances to really put their, you know, go up in that game, and they just didn't take advantage of it. Um, and I think, yes, where they've been better this year, the same issues still proceed. They don't play full – they don't play full four quarters worth of football. They still have yet to show that. Um, outside of the Northwestern game, they have yet to play a full four quarters. Uh, Adrian Martinez is, is as hot and cold as it comes. He's like, you know, he's like a bad AC unit. Sometimes he works. Sometimes he doesn't. You know, and even in games in which, you know, you expect big games from him. Like last week, they, you know, they, they beat the doors off of Northwestern, 56-7. to seven. What was Adrian Martinez's numbers? 11 of 17, 202 and a touchdown. Like, you expect better results from him. Yes, he also had, you know, um, and for me, that's why I can't pick him against Michigan. I don't know what Adrian Martinez is going to be able to do when he cannot use his legs. When he's forced to sit in that pocket and, and, and sling it around, He's shown an, in, an inability to do so, and, and that's my biggest concern for him this week. Um, you know, if he if he's able to get loose and get use legs, maybe he'll have the three touchdowns he did against Northwestern. You know, that's where he is as deadly as it comes in in the Big Ten and, and in some cases college football when he's allowed to be an athlete. Uh, but that, that that all depends on you know the, the kind of pressure that Michigan can uh, generate up front. As far as Michigan is concerned, uh, I just think. When I look at them, I look. I see a team that's just kind of just gliding by the skin of their teeth every week, and I'm kind of waiting for it to end. I'm just waiting for the cows to come home, the chickens to roost, and, and Harbaugh to lose. Because at this point, you're, you know, you're absolutely right, Scott. Rutgers played them tough, but that also means Michigan didn't play up to you know the, their ability, in my opinion. You know, I, I just you know, I don't believe in Michigan. I just can't get on board just yet. But I believe in them more than I do Nebraska. And even though Nebraska's at home and it's going to be a ridiculously crazy atmosphere, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how long it's been since Nebraska had a big game like this at home. Obviously, you take the COVID year into effect. It's been longer than a year. So I, 
I just think that, you know, at this juncture, I'll go with Michigan. They're the more confident team. They look the best coming into this week. Uh, and so I'm going to take them. I'm really uh, excited to see what they do at the quarterback position. If they continue to do this kind of like, you know, two quarterback set where they come, you know, where they, they one drive is McNamara, then the next drive is not. I, I'm really, you know, in a game of this magnitude, I'm, I'm, I want to see how they do that. Because for both of them, both QBs, and I, and I said this the week that Bryce Young played Florida, this is going to be both their first like major atmosphere that they're walking into. Um, and how they are able to perform under that, I think is going to be who did, who gets the most amount of snaps. So I'm I'm excited to see how Michigan handles that situation uh, because after this week, their scheduling you know gets pretty pretty difficult. You know they 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 face Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State in the next month. So uh, or over in, in in the month of November. So this is if they're going to go into those games ranked, and if they're going to go into those games with any kind of confidence from me. They're going to have to beat Nebraska and beat them pretty impressively this week. Otherwise, I'm going to still be on this soapbox about Michigan being overrated. I mean, we all know this is the year that they beat Ohio State, so Jim Harbaugh can keep his job. Bro, stop. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this is this is what's going to happen. This is, uh, and this honestly, is... if I'm Ohio State, I might take that. I might take that. I might fall on the sword so Harbaugh can keep that job because I don't like what he's been doing. But anyway, let's move on to the best game of the week. Right, the best game of the week. Oh, we're Texas. gonna save Penn State and Iowa till the end, though. Yeah, are we talking right. about Penn State and Iowa next week or something? Like, uh, what? Uh, look, uh, you organized this sheet, Nick. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going in your order. I thought, yeah, we saved the best for last. I thought maybe, okay. Right. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Texas and Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry. And uh, look, I am excited about this one, but I've been excited going into this game and Texas has lost. I've been uh, super depressed going into this game and Texas has won. So this is one that uh, can play out either way. The current line is OU is three point favorites. 63 and a half is the over. How do you see it going, Nick? We don't see a very big edge uh, in this one. And, you know, this number in our projections has come down quite a bit. Uh, we've talked uh, plenty about how high our projections were on uh, Oklahoma for, you know, the preseason and, and coming into the year. And even though they have, you know, disappointed in some ways, I mean, they, they ranked 22nd in team performance overall, 28th in offensive team performance, which is uh, pretty shocking, you know, thinking that, that uh, um, this Oklahoma team has put up top five, top three, offensive team performance ratings for a long time. I mean, they uh, going back to 2015 have been in the top 10 in our team performance ratings every year. And then going back to 2016 have been fourth or better. So this is a significant drop on offense and the defense is, you know, uh, not, it, it certainly has been, uh, a, a bit of a bumpy ride over the years. Last year, they had worked all the way up to 15th in defensive team performance after having three straight years outside of the top 50. But, you know, this year they're at, at 43rd. So uh, a bit disappointing, especially since I thought that the defense coming in had the ability to play like a, you know, top 20, maybe even top 15 unit again. So it's it's been uh, disappointing for Oklahoma. But as I said, you know, kind of earlier in the show, they've, they've been able, they found a way to win, even when they're not, um, you know, playing at a really high level, 
They have not dominated opponents by you know any means. They beat uh, Tulane with a 54% post-game win expectancy. That Tulane team is is uh, you know one in four right now, not playing very well. Uh, they beat West Virginia with a 60% post-game win expectancy. Um, not a a you know great performance. They uh, you know did did better in those post-game numbers against Nebraska and Kansas State, but both of those were uh, much closer than uh, most you know projections would have expected, especially ours. Um, Marvin Mims has not gotten going offensively. Eric Gray has not gotten going at running back. Spencer Rattler has been up and down. Um, and yeah, I mean, they are not right now playing like the top five team that our preseason or the top three team that our preseason projections had them and the top five team that our current power ratings, uh, still have Oklahoma. And part of that is their roster profile. They rank third in roster strength overall, number one on offense they would be number two if jt daniels were listed as a starter um but you know still right now on paper the number one uh roster strength team in the country and top five in defense and defensive roster strength so you know on paper still this oklahoma team looks like a uh big 12 favorite looks like a you know playoff participant and a national championship contending team but they absolutely have not played like that on the field. So, you know, is this the game where we uh, see that top five potential team? You know, will they finally turn it on in in this uh, you know mega matchup with Texas, or you know, are they going to continue to be the team that they've looked like on the field this year, where they're you know maybe a top twenty team, but certainly not a top five type team. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I continue to be optimistic or, or you know, hopeful about Oklahoma because I'm invested in them as a, a national title future type team because our numbers are so high on them. I do kind of root for Oklahoma a little bit to, to you know, get up to the level that we expect. But Texas is a tough matchup. That loss against Arkansas, uh, you know, before last week, how Arkansas played against Georgia, you know, started to look like a, a pretty good loss. Now seeing what Georgia looked like against, or, you know, what Arkansas looked like against Georgia, it's kind of moved back a little bit to, well, eh, maybe, you know, but maybe that was just uh, week two kind of bumping the road for uh, Steve Sarkeesian and, and this team. Uh, Bijan Robinson looks like a Heisman contender, looks amazing. Uh, Casey Thompson has given them a little bit of a, a boost after he's taken over as a starting quarterback. Uh, defensively, you know, still some issues, but Texas is a very, very talented team, ranked 13th in roster strength, top 10 uh, defensively. But, you know, the way that the numbers shake out, they actually haven't played any better uh, overall or on defense than Oklahoma. They rank 29th in overall team performance. They rank 75th in defensive team performance. Part of that, they rank 114th in EPA per play defensively. They rank 113th in success rate allowed. Uh, and they are 76th or worse, uh, 76th or worse in our three other important uh, defensive stats that we track. They're, they're 80th in yards per play allowed, uh, filtered for garbage time and, and against FBS opponents only, according to Brian Fromeau. 
uh, 76th in points per drive in those same situations and 78th in yards per pass attempt allowed. Um, that's that's raw, but against uh, FBS opponents only. So you know they are they are absolutely susceptible defensively. And if that Oklahoma offense can, you know, play up to the level that we've seen in the past and what we expect based on that roster uh, profile, this is a game where Oklahoma could, you know, put up a, a big number offensively. It's just, you know, how how can we expect that based on what we've seen so far this year? And Texas is is certainly capable of putting up a big number. I mean, they rank fifth in offensive uh, rushing team performance. Robinson is is you know if he if he gets room to operate can score on any play. Uh, I've been impressed with Xavier Worthy, the true freshman receiver. So you know this game could certainly be a shootout. I could see it going a variety of different ra- ways. I don't personally have a real strong read on it. It's another uh, game where our projection is very close to the odds makers, close to. Uh, you know, what the market has. And, you know, I've said it a hundred times. Sometimes I think that's really good. It shows our projections are, are you know, not not crazy, not too far off the line, but it also creates, you know, not a, a very uh, much room to operate as far as, you know, do we have a, a good read on a game? But uh, Oklahoma does have a talent edge of three points. They do have a, a, a projected scoring margin edge of a point we do have them favored in this matchup uh by four and a half points which is just a little bit over the four where the the line currently is but you know this is a game texas could win outright this is a game oklahoma might escape with a one point win but i could also see this as a game where oklahoma finally looks like a national championship contender and wins by two touchdowns so i personally don't have a great read we have a final score prediction of 35 to 30, you know, that, that certainly could be how it plays out, but this game I think could go a variety of different ways. What do you think of this game, Xavier? Uh, I think it's going to be one of the better red river, red river rivalry games that we've had in a while. Uh, but I am clearly biased. So, uh, how are you feeling about this game? I mean, first off, that's saying a lot because didn't last year's game go into four overtimes? I mean, that's, that's, that's saying it. That's saying it Didn't have the result we wanted, but yes. I mean, understood, but that was one epic game. Uh, you know, I, I think it's really depending on what Texas can do in the run game. I mean, this, this entire thing goes well for Texas if they can run the football. Casey Thompson is an athletic quarterback. Obviously, you know he's going to want to get out of the pocket and, and use his legs. Um, and obviously, B. John Robinson, who is slowly but surely, you know, making a case for the best running back in the country, is going to have to get his – for Texas to have any kind of chance of winning in this game. And Oklahoma knows that. I genuinely would be surprised if I don't see Oklahoma pack seven in the box, eight in the box on, on, on every play. I'll be perfectly honest with you uh, in an attempt to stop the run game because of the fact that outside of that, I don't really see Texas, you know, slinging in a bunch uh, uh, coming into this game. You know, the same similarly to what Oklahoma was able to do or, or did against West Virginia when they were trying to stop Buddy Brown and trying to make Jerry Deggie uh, a pocket passer, a similar kind of, you know, performance from their defense is what they're going to need this week to really beat Texas. You know, they held Letty Brown to 56 yards that week, even though the offense didn't really do much, they had held West Virginia 13 points, walked away with a, you know, a game, t- a game winning field goal and, you know, pure bliss. 
for Oklahoma to win this game, they're going to have to do that again. They're going to have to stop B. John Robinson, hold him under 100 yards. Uh, but I really see, you know, if, if Steve Sarkeesian is as good of an offensive guy as we know him to be, to have been at, at uh, Alabama, this is going to be the game in which you use B. John Robinson as a decoy as much as possible. You know, you're going to get him in motion. You're going to move him all over the field. You're going to make sure that that Oklahoma defense can't get a read on what Bijan's going to be for playing the play out. We're going to put him in the slot. You're going to put him against a linebacker on the backfield. You're going to have ample amount of screens when they do ultimately put eight in the box. Just don't get too cute, right? So we're not going to come out here and we're not going to have Casey Thompson throw 40 times. That's what we don't do. No, we're going to keep him under 30 passes or right around that margin. And I think if Texas can do that, they have an opportunity to win this game. For Oklahoma to win this game, Spencer Rattler just doesn't need to suck. Like, point blank, plain and simple. When he plays well, their offense goes. You know, when he's slinging it about and when he's allowed, you know, when he's really doing what we all know Spencer Rattler can do back there in the pocket, that Kennedy Brooks has a good day. And then Eric Gray has more open lanes to run in because that uh, the RPO action that they love at Oklahoma now is allowed to, you know, the linebackers have to sit and wait because they've been getting killed from, you know, killed the entire game. And so, Spencer Rattler, I'm waiting. Can you please turn it around at some point? I'm waiting for the, that week that he shows himself as the, you know, the Heisman front runner that we thought he was coming into the year as possibly the first quarterback taking off the board in this year's NFL draft. He has yet to have a game where he's put it all together. Even last week, you know, when they, they put up 37 points, the numbers are cool. You know, 22 of 25, 243, two touchdowns and an interception. I mean, that's a good day. That's a pretty good, decent day at the office. That's not a really, that's not a good day at the office if you're supposed to be the number one overall pick, though. And so I'm just waiting for Spencer Rattler to finally put it all together. Maybe this is it. You know, the offense scored the most points last week that they had since September 11th. Uh, so maybe the offense is starting to come around. Maybe Lincoln Riley is starting to press all the right buttons, and we see that all happen this week. However, if Spencer Rattler comes out and plays again like he did against West Virginia, like he did against Nebraska, where he's just pedestrian at best, oh, Texas, Texas is going to stay around. They're going to stay in this game, and, and they're going to, you know, they, they, they could pull off the upset if Spencer Rattler doesn't come to play because that offense goes with him, that the running game is not good enough to win it on its own. They're going to need Spencer Rattler to perform above and beyond what he's done this season. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm always excited for this game. I think it's a great way to kick off, you know, the noon hour. It's not – we're not watching Maryland versus Illinois, so that's always a positive. Uh, so, you know, like I, I, I'm looking forward to this game. I think that uh, Texas has a chance to win this game if they can run the football effectively. And Oklahoma has a, win, a chance to win this game if Spencer Rattler is the Spencer Rattler of old and not the Spencer Rattler of the season. All right, last game up here, Nick, is Penn State at Iowa. Big-time game here. Uh, Iowa is – uh, two point home favorite. The over is 41. And this is a giant test for both of these teams. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, this is, this is the game I'm most excited to watch. And it might end up being uh, a game that, you know, some people think is boring. I, I, I know the, uh, the total on this is what 41, uh, we expect a, a pretty low scoring game as well should be a very uh, you know defensive game where pretty much you know the, the margin for error is uh, very small you know who's who's going to make a mistake to uh, win this game and so far Iowa has made its opponents make mistakes they've they've done an incredible job of turning opposing offenses over. Uh, but that is difficult to, even though they've done it seemingly week in and week out, it's difficult to repeat. 
and just sort of the the law of averages sometimes you know a team that that uh forces a lot of turnovers um you know whether it's one year the or one week the next week sometimes uh tends to kind of you know reverse to the mean a little bit when some turnover luck uh you know works its way in Right now, Iowa and, and our, our friend Parker Fleming at, at uh, CFB Graphs, CFB-Graphs.com, puts out these great advanced stats previews uh, on Twitter each week. And I, I pulled up what he's got for Penn State and Iowa. And, you know, he shows that Penn State, uh, from a field po- uh, position standpoint, defensively is, or excuse me, offensively, uh, ranks second in the country. And that's because their offense is taking over, on average, at the 388 yard line their own their own 38 yard line uh only one team in college football is better and part of that is because you know they're taking over uh these short fields after turnovers well if penn state can you know hold on to the football they are going to be able to neutralize what has been uh iowa's biggest advantage so far because iowa offensively is you know not not anything special I mean, they rank 74th in offensive team performance, 69th in passing, 76th in rushing. And this Penn State defense is good enough uh, that you would expect that maybe, you know, Iowa is probably not going to be able to perform even at that level. Uh, Penn State ranks 8th in defensive team performance, 10th against the pass, 27th against the run. So you expect maybe Iowa can, can, uh, you know, run the football uh, against Penn State, but uh, I expect that, you know, for, for Iowa to be able to uh, put up anywhere near the, the amount of points, you know, this Iowa team is not going to score 50 on Penn State like they did against Maryland. Um, you know, for them to, to reach uh, 24 points, you know, they, they are probably going to have to uh, get one of those big turnovers and, and work a, a short field. I just don't know. Uh, that they're going to be able to repeat this level of, you know, performance so far as far as turnovers go. But this is one of the best defenses in college football. They rank second in team performance overall, sixth in uh, passing defensive team performance, fifth against the run. Uh, And, you know, you mix that in with an offense that is, you know, able to capitalize on some of those mistakes, but still not able to consistently move the football uh at will or anything close to it they're still a top 20 team we have them 15th in our power rating 17th in team performance that's much lower than the pollsters of course and a lot of that is the talent profile we've talked about iowa's talent profile quite a lot 66th in roster strength uh 67th on offense 69th on defense penn state is the more talented team by far they are a top 10 roster across the board Seventh in roster strength, ninth on offense, fourth on defense. They have an edge of the quarterback position with Sean Clifford. Not spectacular by any stretch, but he's had a good year. The offense uh, throwing the football has been a you know somewhat pleasant surprise. They're 16th in passing offense. Jahan Dotson playing like an All-American receiver right now. Parker Washington has had his moments as well. Uh, you know, Brenton Strange at tight end is a solid uh, option in in the passing game. They've struggled to run the football, 83rd in rushing team performance, uh, but you know that probably wasn't going to be uh, able to happen much against Iowa anyway. I expect Penn State, you know, to have to win this game is going to have to go through the air. That's been trouble for a lot of Iowa opponents, 
but I think Penn State might have you know the quarterback and the receivers to do just enough uh, to win this game. And I know Iowa is favored. This one opened up uh, as a pick 'em. It's moved toward Iowa. Iowa has the home field advantage. It will be a very tough environment, I'm sure. Uh, big big time matchup. But you know, quite honestly, I don't I don't think Iowa should be favored in this game. I know they've been great. I think they've been fortunate in some spots. And yeah, that could continue. They could continue to turn over uh, teams week after week. And Penn State absolutely could be one of those, especially if they are one dimensional, which I kind of expect them to have to you know, lean really heavy on the passing game uh, in this one. But Penn State is the more talented team. Uh, and quite honestly, you know, even though Iowa has a slight edge in our stats only model, uh, I think Penn State has been I, I have reason to believe Penn State has, has played like the better team to date. So I, I think Penn State should win this game. Our numbers uh, are on Penn State to win and cover. We do have a big talent edge, two touchdown talent edge for Penn State. That doesn't necessarily matter for Iowa. They seem to defy every talent metric out there. Um, the stats only model would be, you know, much closer. Would actually have Iowa to win this if it were adjusted for home field advantage. But as it stands right now, you know, we have Penn State as an all three agree and to win this game outright as a you know wrong team favored. That's been a good spot for us in the past. Going on the road is always you know more difficult, and Iowa has been so good. But we do project Penn State to win this game outright. Our uh, final score prediction is 24-21, and I, I think I like it. I, I think this actually might be the projection I like most this week, uh, in a week that I feel much more confident than I did the last few. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Should be a great Big Ten matchup. Will it? Will it actually be? I don't. I don't have confidence in Penn State. None whatsoever. I'll be. I'll keep it 100% honest with you. I think Penn State is a team, and and Nick made a lot of great points, which almost made me change my tune. But I couldn't do that. I had to be authentic. Uh, I I want to believe that Penn State has turned this corner offensively. I just don't think they have. Uh, I, I want to believe that Sean Clifford, you know, ha- has turned this corner, and that now. We're going to get a Sean Clifford that is not just a game manager, but a guy who can win you a ball game. And I'm not 100 sure that that's the case. And I think get, this to be the best. Well, this would be the best team that I, that Penn State's played. To be the best team that Iowa's played all year. The other, only thing is this, and this is what I'll say: is coming off of the last two games in particular, Iowa has turned this corner offensively. That, that is really impressive. It, it just is. Like you know, they, they yes, they had a struggle against Colorado State, but. You know, this year in particular, I think a lot of people forget about the fact that they beat Iowa State on the road to start the year off in the Seahawk game. And I think a lot of people forget that game because they think, you know, oh, well, Iowa State hasn't really been anything since. Pump your bricks. Iowa State is still a, a good team on paper. Yeah, their record doesn't necessarily show it, but they're two points away from probably still being ranked right now if they didn't lose to Baylor two weeks ago. Uh, so, I think when we say like open oh, states play a tougher schedule this year, you know, they played Auburn, they played Wisconsin, they played Indiana, who Iowa played as well. True, but Wisconsin is complete trash offensively. Auburn, you know, is well, we'll see if they're ranked after the next two, three weeks, because their October is hellacious. And, and Indiana has fallen off of a cliff after a really good year, which to Nick's credit, he called this year. You know, so 
I think that, you know, <laughs> I think when it comes to this game, we're going to see who's the imposter. And for me, it comes down to what team do I know? What, what do I know I'm going to get out of each team? From Iowa, I know I'm going to get an amazing defense. I know I'm going to get an ugly performance offensively. I know they're going to try to control the front, the, the, the ground game. They're going to try to control the trenches. And, and they're going to make sure that Penn State, when they get the ball offensively, is forced to put points up on the board because Iowa's not going to beat themselves. I can't say the same for Penn State. Penn State is a team that puts itself in very precarious situations. Um, even in this game, past game against Indiana, they weren't impressive. You know, they won 24 to zero, but it was seven, nothing in the second. It was only 14, nothing at halftime. You know, they only scored a touchdown in every single quarter, you know, uh, barring the fourth where they scored a field goal. So they weren't uber impressive from, from an offensive standpoint, you know, the defense really kept a minute and this is going to be the best offense that they played all year. And, and am I so certain that, Penn State's defense is going to be able to put another masterful performance like they did against Indiana and like they did against Wisconsin. I'm not so sure of that, you know, and, and more importantly, I'm not so positive that Sean Clifford's not going to put Iowa in positions where it's almost a formality in which they're going to score. I know Sean Clifford's got an interception in him. It's in him. It, regardless, I think he's going to pick in every single game this year. He's going to throw one. So he's going to give Iowa an opportunity, whether it's late game or, 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 or near halftime, to get some points on the board. And I think I was a team that when I look at them, I see a team that I know is not going to beat themselves and not going to shoot themselves in the foot. And so I think Iowa wins this game solely based off of that. I, I think Penn State is more susceptible to a, a situation in an environment in which they, you know, just have more turnovers and they have more mistakes. Also, they're on the rope. This is going to be, their, you know, a, a tough road test. They got their big games at home outside of Wisconsin. So I also think that it's going to be rockets for Iowa. Obviously, all weekend we're going to have to hear about, you know, the best tradition in football at Iowa, which I love. But, you know, I think this is Iowa's game to submit themselves as a top three team in, in college football. And we all – and, you know, if Iowa wins this game, you really look at the rest of the schedule and they should win out. You know, maybe they slip up against Wisconsin or, or, or at the end of the year against Nebraska, both of which are on the road. But you really think that if Iowa wins this game against Penn State this week, that it's going to take – a very impressive performance from one of those two teams or, or a shocking performance from like a Minnesota uh, for them to, 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 to get knocked out of the top three. Um, but yeah, I, I've got Iowa in this game and, and I like Iowa uh, going forward as well. All right. That's all the games we're going to do deep dives on, but uh, we got all three agrees and wrong team favored and all that good stuff. Nick, what do you got on those? <laughs> Yeah, and we've we've uh, touched on some of these, especially the wrong team favored. I like Penn State, I like UTSA, and I like Memphis. Uh, all of those teams we expect, you know, should be favored. The other three, I feel a little less uh, confident in Texas Tech. We actually have favored over TCU. That was a little bit of a surprise. Eastern Michigan is in this category for the second straight week, and it didn't work out last week. Uh, this one really kind of surprised me. We have Duke as like a point one uh, point favorite over Georgia Tech. I, I honestly don't love that one, uh, but this has been a good situation for us. So uh, we'll trust the projections here. All three agree. Um, there are several very, very close uh, here. FIU plus three and a half. That one just snuck in. Uh, SMU we have uh, as a pretty big edge on all three, but Navy is, is always, you know, a little bit tricky. Uh, FAU, uh, we have on uh, plus four and a half, uh, ball state plus 11. They've been disappointing, but you know, probably we think shouldn't be a double digit underdog against Western Michigan. 
Uh, Penn State again, UTSA, Buffalo plus five and a half. I kind of like the MAC underdogs. I, I think that's a situation we kind of like to be in. South Alabama minus three and a half on the road against Texas State. Wyoming plus six uh, against Air Force. Michigan, we mentioned. Notre Dame minus one. We have them favored by more than one in all three of our models on the road against Virginia Tech. You know, I don't, I don't love it necessarily, but the numbers are, are there. Texas A&M plus 17 and a half. I mean, that one barely, barely snuck in. Um, and that number is up to 18 now. So uh, I feel a little better about ULM plus 16 against Georgia State. Georgia State just, you know, a little isn't quite the team maybe we, we expected. ULM looks a little bit improved. I know they got absolutely blown out last week, but think that they can keep that one within two touchdowns. So uh, I feel, again, a little more confident in these. Uh, I like that it's not 24. <laughs> We're down to 14 of them. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Hope, hoping for a good week and, and uh, feel like our, our projections are starting to round into uh, midseason form. So hopefully these come through for us. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for our week six preview. Welcome back to Xavier, of course. Uh, happy to have you back live in the studio. Uh, apologies if you guys heard. I'm, there's some construction going on in my house. So hopefully we avoided that. We, we paused and I will be taking out some spots. But. Uh, if you heard that, I apologize. Uh, shouldn't be happening next week. But uh, that is going to wrap it up for us. Remember, you can follow us all on Twitter, at Bogman Sports for me, at CFP Winning Edge for Nick, and at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. Good luck, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad-free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. Mm-hmm.